Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E dot com. Parents divide themselves into camps, right? I mean, that's what we hear in the media. We even talked about this in our last episode. You know, there's the cry it out camp and the no cry camp, the stay at home camp and the back to work camp, the breastfeeding camp and the bottle feeding camp, the only child camp and the multiple children camp. Whether or not these camps are real or they're just created by experts and books, they seem to be all around us. If we try hard, though, we can avoid them, you know, turn off our screens, stay away from a parenting group that rubs us the wrong way. But sometimes you can't escape the opposing camp because sometimes the opposing camp is sleeping in your bed. That's what happened with Carla. I'm Carla Serrano. And Philip. Wait, Philip or Phil? I don't mind, whichever you prefer. Philip. Philip. Sounds noble. Phil sounds like I'm working at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) What can I get you, kid? After having their daughter, Lulu, Carla found herself in the this baby is the best thing that ever happened to me camp, while Philip sat squarely in the this baby is ruining my life camp. And he documented it in pictures for the whole world to see. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hilary Frank. Today on the show... In honor of Father's Day, we talked to photographer Philip Toledano about his book, The Reluctant Father, and we get his wife's take on his reluctance. When Carla was pregnant, she and Philip were solidly a team. They had been for four years already. As Carla's belly grew bigger and bigger, They made a pact. We were going to be cool, contemporary parents. We weren't going to fall into the trappings of saccharine-like parenthood. But then Lulu was born. I remember distinctly my first night with her. And Phil was in the corner in the hospital room, but he was asleep. And I wasn't really sleeping, and I was kind of, you know, breastfeeding. And it was this moment with her that was just so incredibly raw and beautiful. And 
and it was quiet and it was just, it was perfect. Philip's first memory of holding Lulu is very different from Carla's. I looked into Lulu's eyes. I thought, this is a very peculiar thing. I, I don't really know what to do with her. I didn't understand what she wanted, how I could help, uh, how to stop the crying. This is when Philip realized he was going to be a reluctant father. Well, it wasn't, they were, it wasn't like the, the, the seven horsemen of reluctance. <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was more confusion because I, I felt a responsibility, but I didn't really feel love. Philip captured that sense of disconnect with his baby very clearly in his book, The Reluctant Father. You may have seen this book around, you know, in the window of your local independent bookstore or featured in your favorite online news source. It has gotten a lot of press. If you've seen it, you'll remember it. Um, the cover is a close-up of a screaming, red-faced baby. There's an online version of the book, too. You can find a link to it at longestshortesttime.com. So a few months back, a listener told me to check out this book, and I absolutely loved the photos, especially um, this one that Philip took from underneath Carla's globe of a belly um, with her face just barely peeking out from behind. So, you know, I, I thought the book was great and real and relatable, but at the same time, there was something that made me a little uneasy about it. You know, it's, it's the same way I felt when Michael Lewis's book Home Game and Accidental Guide to Fatherhood came out. That's his memoir about how he grumpily participated in the start of his three children's lives. There's a whole genre of books like this and in blogs and podcasts, too, you know, ironic parenting media. And every time I see stuff like this, I wonder, what does this person's spouse think? You know, what happens inside of a relationship when one partner is reluctant and the other is not? Well, in Philip's case, Carla actually provided some answers because she wrote the afterword to his book. And she says they fought about it. I was reveling in this new life stage and this amazing experience. And I wanted him to be a part of that. But instead, he was incredibly uh, honest about how difficult it was and how dark it was <laughs> and how painful it was all the time. Well, every time I tried to complain, she never complained with me. Like, you know, and, and I, even at the most normal things, like when Lulu would be crying for a while and I go, God, isn't that making you crazy? And I said, doesn't it just make your heart hurt? I said, no, no, no. I'm crazy. Like I want to, you know, throw Lulu out the window. I mean, it, I, I so desperately wanted to say, yes, it makes me crazy. And she never really, I don't think she ever felt that. Philip was determined to get Carla to admit that life with a new baby was not as idyllic as she was making it out to be. So he did what any self-respecting photographer would do. He grabbed his camera and started taking ugly pictures of his baby. There's one of Lulu spitting up, one of her looking like a wrinkly, demonic alien. And I got really obsessed with this screaming picture of Lulu. The close-up from the cover of the book. So I printed it on a plate so that, and then I also like a dinner plate, yeah, like a dinner plate, and then I also printed the same picture on a tote bag, and then I also printed the same picture on a little circular cushion. Philip would show Carla the cushion, the tote bag, the plate, as proof that being a new parent was rough. And when other people came over and asked how things were going, he'd show them too, saying, "This is kind of how a lot of our life is now. This this plate <laughs> that I've made for some strange reason." <laughs> And um, how do people react? Well, they were confused. 
I have to say I was really, really angry at the time. Um, because, you know, as a proud mama, I, I kind of wanted to show a picture of my kid that was, you know, angelic or funny or beautiful. And you have a photographer husband. And I have a photographer husband, and the expectation is certainly there. They want the Anne Geddes, like Lulu in a, you know, casserole pot poking her head out in a cute way or something. And I remember saying, can you do a plate with a nice picture, please? <laughs> Which he did not do. <laughs> You know, I think some of my friends pitied me because they had husbands that were much more enamored by the situation or seemingly so. So the friends and family were not supportive of, I mean, it wasn't even reluctance. I don't even know how to describe it because he was there, which was better than some situations. But to be there and to be so negative, sometimes you just wish that they weren't. <laughs> See, I would not say they're negative. They're not negative. They just show the stuff that anyone who's a parent has seen before, but is just not shown. Really. They're real. Yeah, they're just they're real. I mean, there's no positive or negative. They're just what was happening. Yeah, no, no, it was negative. When you're, when you're taking care of a newborn, the reality is it's messy, and you can either take a, an optimistic view of it or, or incredibly pessimistic. And, and he took a very dark, pessimistic view every single time. So Philip was not being his best Philip. But how many of us are our best selves under the pressure of new parenthood? In his defense, Philip had good reason to be confused or reluctant. He was lonely, and that loneliness ran deep. Three years before Lulu was born, his mother had died. And then, a couple of months before Lulu came, his dad died too. He was an only child. And then the next best thing was Carla, my wife. And then she was gone because Lulu was born and she sort of disappeared into Lulu and disappeared away from me. And so I sort of I sort of felt like I was standing at the bus stop and they'd just gotten on the bus and disappeared down the road. And I was going, hang on a minute, I, let me get on the bus. There were clues that Philip actually had one foot on that bus already. A few months into Lulu's life, Carla started to notice things changing. Sometimes I couldn't put her to sleep, and the only thing that seemed to work was when Phil would walk around the apartment barefoot singing Morrissey. Um, you know, I mean, that's bonding. Moments like this seemed to go totally over Philip's head. Carla started to worry. Would Philip ever love their kid or, or admit that he did? One day when Lulu was about five months old, Carla grabbed Philip's camera, the, the very thing he was using to prove to her that parenthood was a disaster, and caught him in a tender moment with Lulu. The picture is in Philip's book, and it shows two chubby baby hands grasping at his clearly adoring face. And I actually said to him, I said, you're falling in love with her. And, and I remember him saying, well, it's because developmentally she's starting to smile. To Carla, this sounded like a strange scientific reason to bond with your first child. It was nothing like the visceral reaction she had to becoming a mother. But for Philip, Lulu's smiles and first laughs were a sign that she was human, you know, that, that he'd be able to interact with her rather than just triage her cries. Still, Carla's fierce, unconditional love for Lulu, no matter how chaotic things were, was foreign to him. He had his scientific explanation for that, too. Here he is reading a page from his book. Apparently, one of the reasons women can handle the endless din 
is because nature anaesthetizes them with soothing hormones, making the cacophony not only bearable, but a musical delight. No, 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 no. I mean, look, I saw the messiness, and, and I'm incredibly annoyed by the shrieking sound, but I know that we need to cope with it. But yeah, delight? No. I mean, I'm not insane. Carla wouldn't dare admit to Philip that the baby's shrieks were driving her crazy. It's like anything in a marriage, when partners dig their heels in too deep on opposite ends of an argument. You know, to give an inch would mean admitting that you were wrong in the first place. And the longer you've been at it, the more extreme you become in your belief that you are right. It took about eight months, but Lulu finally did something that broke Carla. She vomited all over our bed and her crib and the sofa in the middle of the night. So basically there was no there was no soft place <laughs> that wasn't vomit ridden. And I lost it. And he just started laughing that I lost it because I didn't lose it ever. And uh, I think I must have turned to him and said something like, okay, you're right. This is really shitty. <laughs> um, um, but it almost sounds like, like, which one of you was going to go first? Like, which one of you was going to give? Like, was he going to admit that she was cute or were you going to no, lose it? I know. I mean, that's, it, it probably was. That's probably how childish we both are. And, and we both started giving. And then it started getting better. When I look at the book, I find the pictures much more interesting at the beginning when I have no connection to her because I'm looking at her like an alien. I'm, it's this sort of a scientific detachment and they're not the normal sort of baby pictures. And as I love her more and more and more, they become all the pictures that people would have expected when they said, how's your baby? And I would, and instead of pulling out a plate, I would have pulled out those pictures. Yeah, there are things like Lulu watching a bubble float over her head. <laughs> I mean, it's full Hallmark card stuff. Yeah. It's really it's such a cringe in a way. And, and like chomping into an apple, right, right and snuggling with Carla. Right. And um, I wonder, like, as you continue to document your family, are you finding that you're capturing still some of the messy side of it? Or have you transformed into more of the Hallmark <laughs> well, fatherhood actually, pictures? Well, since uh, since I finished this work, I've, I kind of haven't really taken any more pictures. It's interesting. Um, I think in part because some part of me is so horrified by the, the sort of sweet, sugary aspect of, of the pictures. And every photograph I take of Lulu, I find her so beautiful and lovely that I feel like I'm going to turn into one of those people who goes, oh, you've got to look at my kid. She's so beautiful. I'm not just saying that because I'm a father. So oddly enough, I haven't really taken any more pictures because it was something I was trying to figure out. And now things are great. There's nothing to figure out. Um, but that, like the toddler years, they throw tantrums and they're completely inexplicable. There was no, she didn't really, wasn't a tantrum kid. See, now I hate you. you see, well, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like people think when they look at this, they go, oh, you must have, she must have been a really tough baby. But she wasn't really that hard of a baby. It's just for me, it was really incredibly hard. <laughs> there were no like on the floor shrieking tantrums. There was no like breaking stuff. There was no, and I say this through the sort of the gilded haze of loving father now, but I don't remember much of any of that kind of stuff. Carla remembers. When Lulu was two, there was wailing, there was pushing, there was going limp when you'd try to get her dressed. You know, typical two-year-old stuff. When you're a parent, bad things happen every day. But good things happen every day, too. It's just the bad things tend to make for more vivid memories. But when someone tries to force you to see only the bad, like Philip did with Carla, it's natural to want to see strictly the good. Now that Philip has backed off of that mission, you know, now, now that he's not a reluctant father, 
he's given Carla the chance to have the kind of memories of motherhood that he wanted her to have in the first place. Real ones. Philip Toledano and Carla Serrano live in New York City. Their daughter Lulu turns five in July. We've got a bunch of both the negative and Hallmark-style pictures from Philip's book, which he also wrote beautifully at our website, longestshortesttime.com. So can you read starting at While I'm At It? All right. While I'm at it, I'd like to say something to the future Lulu. Please, don't wear sweatpants with the letters Juicy stitched on the bum. Please, don't become a goth or an emo or whatever they'll be doing in 15 years and peer at me gloomily through six layers of eyeshadow. Remember, before your father was a parent, he was a person, young and confused, just like you. This episode marks the end of season two of our show, the season that was funded by our Kickstarter. The Kickstarter money did um, exactly what it was supposed to do. It literally kickstarted us into being a sustainable show. We are now partners with WNYC. I, I have an employee. We covered all kinds of things in season two. Um, the NICU, infertility, stillbirth, blind fatherhood. Um, I talked to rock star Bri Webb about quitting music to be a dad. And I told the most famous midwife in the world, Ina Mae Gaskin, that she disappointed me. We're still waiting to hear, by the way, if her publisher is interested in having her revise her book, Ina Mae's Guide to Childbirth, as a result of our conversation. So um, season two was just the beginning. We've got so many more stories cooking for you and a bunch of events, too. The next one is happening soon. Um, It's happening on June 17th. That's a Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be a breastfeeding Google Hangout with the lactation consultant Nancy Holtzman called What's Up With Your Boobs? We'll also be joined by my colleague Paula Zuckman, um, who actually edited this episode. Paula begged me to be on the panel for this Hangout. Um, Paula is a mother of two who had lots of breastfeeding troubles, and um, Paula said she felt like her lactation consultants just gave her a lot of unnecessary anxiety. And she thinks that with no training whatsoever... She could become a lactation consultant tomorrow. Because I have worked with all of my friends who've had babies, and I just do one thing, which is I open the baby's mouth and I put the baby on the nipple and it works. That's it. I am so looking forward to hearing what our lactation consultant Nancy Holtzman has to say about that and about all the breastfeeding questions you've submitted already. You can still submit your questions right now at our website, on the blog post titled Ask a Lactation Consultant. You'll also be able to ask questions live on the Google Hangout page while it's happening or through Twitter with the hashtag YourBoobs. Lots more events are coming up. The best way to find out about them, sign up for our newsletter at longestshortesttime.com. support today comes from diapers.com. Get 20% off your first order at diapers.com with the code longest20. That's longest20. You can also use the discount on any of their other sites where you can find things like stuffed animals and blocks, you know, cute, unironic baby stuff. Okay, you can also find a mustache pacifier if you're into the ironic stuff. 
This podcast is a production of WNYC and The Longest Shortest Time. The show is produced by myself and Joanna Solitaroff. Jim Briggs is our engineer. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Chris Bannon and Paula Zuckman. I'm Hillary Frank, back in two weeks at 3 a.m. And as always, if you have a story of a surprising struggle in early parenthood that you'd like me to consider for this podcast, go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find 10. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, right. worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.